0: Welcome to The Bend, a podcast to learn about services and support for victims and survivors of crime sponsored through the Center for Crime Victim Services here in Vermont. I'm Anna Nasset, and I'm your host of this bi-monthly podcast and show. Today on the show from Ohio, we have Dr. Ronnie Gladden to talk to us about Pride Month, the LGBTQ plus community, and trauma. Welcome, Ronnie.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Anna.
0: Absolutely.
1: Happy Pride.
0: Yes, indeed, happy pride. So as we know, the show was created to take a deeper look at services, organizations, and concepts for victims and survivors of crime. We wanna always acknowledge our healing process and provide resources not only in our state of Vermont but throughout the country that could benefit victims of crime as they begin to mend. I always like to start and begin with a trigger warning. Our goal is to create a safe place to discuss topics of healing. But with that in mind, we may occasionally hear a story related to crime, discuss our mental health, or have sensitive subject matter. We urge you to take care of yourself and listen at your own discretion. So as I said, I'm honored to have Dr. Ronnie Gladden here from Ohio today, my own home state. He is a motivational speaker, actor, author, and tenured professor with at-risk teens and young adults proved successful with improving educational and equity outcomes. Dr. Ronnie implemented a critical diversity and inclusion training curriculum and dynamic speaking series boasting national and international cultural figures across multiple campuses within the college system. His work is centered on fostering identity reconciliation, empowerment, and independent representation via authentic, transformative, and diversity leadership practices for global impact. Welcome, Ronnie. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, For sure. So can you just, you want to start off by just sharing a little bit about yourself and what called you into this work over the years?
1: Absolutely. So you mentioned I'm from Ohio, specifically from Cincinnati. And what I like is that there's been kind of this renaissance in the city where there are more businesses or stadiums that are being built. There's more hustle and bustle in the city. We were just talking about that. And I feel like um, I'm kind of coming alive myself a bit too with that. My life is speeding up and that's because of wanting to help other people. I I feel more like it's something I've been pulled into rather than necessarily being intentional about approaching it. It's uh, just the background of, of my life of having a good life, but also having some domestic disturbances as well too. And the more that I looked into that, I saw that that's, that's unfortunately common and it's in a lot of varying degrees and it doesn't necessarily make a difference you know, if one is more traumatized than someone else, just the fact of being exposed to any level of domestic terrorism or bullying or having identity issues or what have you can for sure throw someone into a traumatic cycle. And so I think it's worthy of, of talking about that. So that's kind of how I'm in this and I've been lucky to process it through the arts and academics and whatnot, just kind of in an interdisciplinary way. So um, I'm hoping that maybe others are wanting to converse in that same manner.
0: Awesome. I like what you had to say about it, it wasn't so much. That I decided I was more pulled into this work. Yeah. And I think that's the common vein for so many of us. It's just like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm doing this. I'm in this work now. Okay. I'm not sure quite how I got here. I understand. <laughs> I understand it, but like, Oh, okay. This is where we're all. And I love that. Um, So it's pride month and happy pride. Happy pride. To pride. And to everyone listening. Yeah. Um, so in mind, can you share with us some of the challenges that exist right now for the LGBTQ plus people and population in your state, nationally, globally, however we want to go around that?
1: Absolutely. I think what's happening here in Ohio is very similar to what's happening around the country and perhaps even around the globe, especially in a lot of the countries that are not as progressive. I mean we know that there still are hundreds of countries that have some level of ban against LGBTQ plus life or not recognizing gender identity, you know, not recognizing same sex marriages, relationships, what have you. so it's it's all over. I'd say that one of the issues is having a reversal of the progress, you know. I mean, it was just in 2015 that marriage equality became the law of the land here in the States. And there were some LGBTQ plus entities that actually shut down shortly after because they thought mission accomplished. And then here we are just seven years later fighting for an adjacent issue, reproductive rights, fighting also to be on sports teams, fighting also to have pronouns recognized, fighting also still to educate individuals about this identity. You know, we respect the sensibilities of other people. This isn't to change someone's dogma or to prositize whatever you are, you are, but we want to stamp out the hate. You know, when you do better working with those that are marginalized, you can do better in general with working with the masses. This is about the dignity and the worth of people. So I think one of the challenges right now is to reclaim a lot of the progress and the momentum that was there in 2012, 13, 14. And that culminated in 2015 with marriage equality. And then some of the goodwill that also happened in 2016, 2017. But now there are these reversals. So given that we're still grappling with the pandemic, given inflation, you know, given uh, violence, all these things, and by the way, that's what I also think is interconnected too. All of the this hate that's fomented, that's used conveniently in a political season, it's a culture war, that same hate that you're seeing in mass shootings and, and road rage and all these things, I think is interwoven with what's going on with the LGBTQ, so you find these enemies and cause divisions, and then we don't get a lot of things done. So I, I think the struggle right now is to be seen and to still grapple with the systemic issues of suicidality, you know, of home insecurity, of food insecurity, you know, um, managing other kinds of like sexual. And reproductive health matters. So it's a lot of layers, you know. It's a lot that's going on. So yes, it's good that Pride Month is spotlighting all of this, but even uh, one of the, I think the interim HRC president is saying that it, there is a crisis right now, and it's in large part because of what I've just described. So it, it's it's kind of bittersweet at this moment to to celebrate to be triumphant over what has been attained in terms of progress but then it's like there's a lot of headwinds right now
0: absolutely i I wrote down like the reversal of progress and i mean that really i do think sums it up and just i i've even you know felt bittersweet this month as well just being like wow there's so much to celebrate but there's just so much of interwovenness to all of the hatred that's happening right now in this country yeah and um yeah, it's, you have to be able to grieve along with celebrate. And, Mm. and for me, like that's what helps push movements forward, but there has to be that acknowledgement of the pain and suffering that's happening to so many people. Um, how do you feel like allies and general public should be showing up right now for the LGBTQ plus community or can be showing up?
1: I think a lot of the Die in the wool allies will continue to do what they've always done, and that's to show up in the support groups, that's to volunteer for national hotlines and be there on the phone to help that LGBTQ plus person, especially a youth that may be homeless and they want a helping hand, um, help out with a meal, you know, help out with any other kind of. Um, of just like human connection. So I think that will continue. I think for others, it's to recognize that in helping this marginalized group, you're helping more than just that you're helping yourself, you're helping with social lubrication, you're helping with sustaining the humanity. I mean, there's a lot that's being frayed right now. You know, I mean, I mentioned the shootings before, especially at uh, Uvalde in Texas. And, you know, there's a serious reality check that we need, you know, if we're going to let our children perish. Mm-hmm. There's no future, you know, with without, without them, which is obvious, but it, it needs to be stated. And I know that that is a different issue at face value, but I think underneath it, it still connects with what we're talking about here, that's a vulnerable population, uh, perhaps even marginalized in some ways. And I see the connection with the LGBTQ plus. So it's about refining the sensibility. So any ally that wants to to do that, that's good. And I get it. I get that people right now are trying to fill up their tank. You know, they're trying to make sure they don't have any blackouts because of a strained grid. I get it out west. It's like, we just want some water. Yep. Because lakes and things are drying up. So I get that there are environmental concerns, financial concerns. I get that people are still reeling and maybe having to grapple with, all right, returning back to work, you know, after being able to work from home, you know, because of the pandemic. So I get there are other things on the list. So I don't want to, you know, be so flit and think that this has to be the center of everyone's universe but you know i do think that again these are interconnected socially significant issues and so you do right by here it extends in other places and we can begin solving some other like systemic problems that affect the elderly that affect teens you know that affect people of color bipoc that affect uh people with ability accessibility issues you know there there's a golden thread that goes through it all so an ally you know to sum it up um just to show up in balance with whatever else that you're managing at your at home you know where you are
0: yeah absolutely and I think if anything for for people who have not done work on that ally front to just remember that like 2015 did not solve everything Mm. it's not like okay we're good now We, we can focus on to something else like no, this is still very, very relevant, and we have to be showing up, however we can. Um, since we do a lot of victim survivors that listen here, and um, and I'll speak specifically to Vermont. Very sadly, we had a, a beautiful trans woman who was murdered here just a couple months ago, who worked somewhat in this field as well. How can victim serv- victim service providers take into account and respond? when working with the LGBTQ community. What are the different things that they should be thinking about when they have someone who's coming in that's either been assaulted or sexually assaulted or a victim of a hate crime? How can they take that into account and provide better services?
1: I think that for those that are mental health professionals, those that are providing the victim services, that they need to strike a balance between the statistics and models and frameworks and that individual person. Yes, you need to be trained. You need to be more than just, you know, a sympathetic ear for sure. You need to be more than just responding, you know, from an emotional place. You need to be informed. But at the same time, that's a person, they have a specific story and you need to take that into consideration. What's appropriate, you know, um, sometimes what may be placed inside of a framework may not exactly, it it could be useful, but you also still wanna just balance the humanity as well too. getting someone comfortable, getting them stabilized, making sure that they are out of danger and finding a way to break the Interlocking cycles of oppression, wherever that is. So that may be helping them to relocate, you know, out of a dangerous environment, you know, making sure that ultimately they're going to be able to be empowered and be able to have the agency where they can have the locus of control, as opposed to it being when someone else. And they're always going to have to go and get that help. So stabilizing and allowing for that person to still have self-determination while also guiding them, you know, through yeah. the, the the crisis. So more of the guide on the side and less of the sage on the stage.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. I always say the more that you give us voice and choice, the more you give us empowerment, which is going to give us strength to, to start to heal and yeah. to get away from that whole I'm going to save this person who's coming in um, is so important to take away from that savior complex complexity, no matter who you're working with. Um, I think it's just so huge. But yeah, that voice and choice is just what I think is so important. And I hear you reflecting
1: that as well. Yeah, voice and choice. I like
0: that. Um, So to kind of shift gears a little bit, but stay in this vein, Um, Can you share with our listeners about your work within cultural competency and just kind of a little overview of what that is for folks who may not know and what the work you're doing to educate people?
1: Absolutely. So with cultural competency, it's not about telling people how to live their lives, you know, but it's about showing other perspectives so that they may be able to enrich their lives while also helping others to do the same. So it's about creating a culture that is more inclusive, you know, that respects diversity and it respects it so it can coexist and not compete with, with each other. So that's kind of a summation there. And some of that work I do as a professor. So I advise the LGBTQ plus group and with that, we talk statistics, we talk stories. We have a Brave Conversation series, which is similar, like a TED Talk. It's like a quasi-TED Talk where students in this uh, recent semester, we had a faculty member, they bear their soul. They tell a little bit of their story in the right dosage, in a way that's appropriate, where they're comfortable. They share it in the auditorium. We invite people from the college students, staff, faculty to attend. We've even had some community members and it has been so successful after each Brave Conversation event, there's someone that comes up to me that says, oh, I wanna say this, I wanna say that, you know? And we have had allies now. So that's a part of that. I'll share my story, you share yours and we begin to make a synthesis out of it and like tear down some of those walls where we demystify what what folks are like, because right now there's so much propaganda that's out there, you know, and uh, projection and stereotypes that it's just driving all of this hate. So that's a part of what I do, and that's how I see it. So yeah, it's it's to enrich one's life. You know, I, I like the quote that um, I'm not here to add years to my life, but I'm here to add life to my years, you know, and that's what I want to intertwine with the cultural competency.
0: Love that. <clears throat> and you really like, I mean, you spoke to like the healing power of story- storytelling, which is such a passion of mine, is just that when we allow people to tell their stories and we deeply listen in and we actually listen how much we can learn and find the connections we have with others. Um, It's just so important to have that and that that component of listening within storytelling I think is something I kind of heard a theme come out of yours as well.
1: Oh for sure and it fits nicely with authentic leadership so anyone that wants a framework you know, and I study that. So authentic leadership, you know, feeding into transformational leadership, creative leadership. And you heard me talk a little bit about those frameworks before, but for anyone that wants to, to look it up in a packaged theoretical framework, there you go.
0: Love it. Thank you. So many tools. Thank you. (laughs) We're covering a lot of things because Ronnie is an expert in a lot of things. So we're just kind of doing a, a big overview of, um, his work today. So let's shift gears and let's talk about trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, What work are you doing to educate people on trauma? And what do you think victim service providers should take into account in regards to trauma, not only in who they are working with, not only the person coming to their office, but also the trauma that mounts on us in doing this work? Because if you're doing this work, if you're an advocate or law enforcement or a prosecutor, you're taking on a lot of trauma as well. So how can we better equip ourselves other than just the kind of throw out there, you know, take a walk and meditate, which are all great things. But the other side of that, of really like accounting for that.
1: Yeah. So the, the second part of the question, how can you as a provider keep your cup full? How do you do that? And that's effectively asking, how does one spell relief, you know? And so that's going to look very differently. And yes, for some people, they do spell relief W a L K where they're going to take a walk through nature. So obviously keep doing that if that works or, or it is, you know, Meditating. I won't go ahead and spell all that out, but you know, meditating, it, it it can be that. But another way for relief for other folks, it could be engineering one's day in such a way that they have time to have pressure release. Pressure release valve can be switched on, and that's going to look different for every person. So for someone that's a morning person, obviously lean into that, because if you're able to say I thrive by waking up at 430, you know, Dolly Parton says that she wakes up at that time and that's a still time in the morning and she gets so much done and she's writing songs and doing things. So if one is able to start early and do a lot of heavy lifting other parts of their lives, whatever that may look like, they can get things done and be efficient, be industrious they may find that they have more of a reserve their cup is able to be more full because they'll know that when they are working with other people they are more available because they have managed other areas in their lives and for someone else if getting that earl up that early doesn't work for you then you find the time that it does and other responsibilities that you have in your life you make sure that you go to that quiet place Like Dolly Parton worked, you know, spoke about, and you do that. Or if you're the opposite, you know, if you're like a Stephen King, you know, we've talked about this in some of my writing classes, you know, he likes to go into his room, shut the door, blast some ACBC and some Metallica and have some Code Red, Mountain Dew. I mean, some people like their Red Bull. I don't know if they they like Bang, whatever it is. I don't know. I I don't recommend that, you know, just some of the all that caffeine, but if that if that works for you and it's healthy for you, go and do that and and do it. And that's your pressure release valve. So I would say, keep your signature. That's that's a part of one's signature. Keep your signature and find a way to be able to write that signature throughout the day, because otherwise, yeah, you're we, we just can't do it. No matter if we are working with those that are traumatized or you know if if you have kids or if you're caretaking for other folks you you have to have a jubilee time at some point and and that's going to look different so keep the signature is what i would say for that Um, in terms of what i'm doing for trauma so i'm partnering like here with you and with CCBS individuals because i know that um many of you are more steeply trained in mental health work. Now, I do have social science degrees. I've worked in mental health health services. services. I'll continue to do that. As a professor of English composition, there's plenty of that. We bring in the ACE score or the ACE tests and get those scores. Um, You know, we have all sorts of professional development trainings. We have outreach programs. People write and process in their essays their truth. So I am a champion for that, you know, with the expressive writing. You know, I mentioned write hard and clear about what hurts. I said that in my presentation. That's a quote from Ernest Hemingway. So I'm a champion and proponent for that in terms of processing trauma in the creative arts, in performing arts, academics. So that's how I'm looking at it. But yeah, we, we all need a, a, a jubilee time and uh, keep the signature.
0: I love that um, so much. Thank you. And that resonates with me. Like like just like a little person note i'm just coming off of like a major speaking tour and i awesome. was burnt burnt and i just took like the last couple of days to just kind of be really quiet and the presence i feel with you today i was like i am so glad i had those quiet moments to release my valve to have my little jubilee yeah. um so that i can be present and fully engaged in this work again because i was definitely kind of on that level of just going, going, going. And I think we just get into that place. And and also thank you for always mentioning Dolly Parton, because you don't know that I have a little three-legged chihuahua right across the door from room for me, whose name is Dolly Parton. So <sighs> thanks for connecting with Dolly. <laughs> of
1: course. And we were talking about Columbus before. And so, you know, Jenny's ice cream started there and there was that, that Dolly Parton flavor. That yes, sold absolutely. Out. Did, did you get any?
0: I didn't get any, but I really wanted
1: okay. to. <laughs> yeah, I did too, and it was it was always yeah, it was always sold out, and yeah. and they're saying that it's so hard to make because it's like you know those special ingredients that you just can't can't do it. But oh, I didn't know you. Were, who doesn't <laughs> love Dolly? Who doesn't? who
0: doesn't love Dolly? The Queen, the <laughs> Queen,
1: the Queen for sure.
0: Sorry. Maybe I just need to do a podcast on like the healing efforts of Dolly Parton. <laughs>
1: we should. You know what? Let's let's plan that at some point. You will have to come back and do that for sure
0: our listeners are like y'all are on a tangent and i'm loving it because yeah because i've got some d- dolly
1: quotes and you you've got yours yeah we have some fun with that
0: oh yeah i've got my dolly book right behind me oh okay there's dolly candles there's all sorts of dolly stuff around here so oh, i love
1: it i love it i love it now have so, you, now, you listeners do,
0: stay tuned for a dolly parton episode yeah let's
1: do that now have you um was your tour pretty extensive around the country
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, we can. We'll chat about that offline. But but yeah, just that kind of thing of just we have to be able to find those moments. And maybe it is, you know, listening to Dolly Parton on your way to work, whatever it is, like just a moment that like re-centers you and re-energizes you is um, so, so huge. So thank you for bringing that up and sharing that with everyone. (laughs) And yes, everyone stay tuned for Dolly Parton episode. (laughs) Sure. So, as we start to wind down today, for you, like you've shared a lot of ways in which people can, you know, process their trauma, begin healing, looking at all these different things. But what has your healing journey looked like and how do you make space to still heal while being involved in this work and how have you kind of fully come into your own self I know a lot of that's through writing but if you just kind of want to share what that looks like and even tell us about the book that you have coming out
1: absolutely well so this (laughs) I for the last 15 years I've been in a minor oblivion I guess you could say um, I saw a lot of friendships kind of just naturally contract and run its course. And even some of the work, professional work that I did, I saw that happen as well, too. And, and I grew up as an only child. So ultimately, I found myself alone more than usual. So I'm, I'm more accustomed already to having a pretty good deal of space because of growing up as an only child. But this last 15 years has been unlike anything else. And so at first it was like, all right, this is even too much time, even for me. So let me just kind of have the regular diversions. You know, you go out, you know, you go have a drink, you go to the club, go to the bar, you go see some folks, whatever it is. And that just was not satisfying anymore. And it just compounded being alone. So At some point, I I recognized that, all right, there's a purpose for why so many relationships and so many categories in my life have left me to reflect in ways long term. So I started to work with that instead of work against it. So not only have I been writing, but there have been years of uh, working with counselors, psychotherapists. Um, a psychiatrist, you know, and that actually started all the way back in 2006. And it's been off and on. I had no idea it was gonna last that long, but there was a lot to work through in terms of the issues with my father. And that was an issue. Plus um, just recognizing that a lot of people are traumatized, but uh, particularly those that are black appearing In the country founded on the way that it is there is something called post traumatic slave syndrome so looking into that, so the the bottom line is looking to be able to better. get a psychological grasp on what has bothered me and finding a way to organize it under a rubric you know post traumatic slave syndrome, you know ptsd whatever it is or my own terminology. So that has helped with healing. Of course the writing you mentioned the book and so the book is me having a watershed moment. I said bearing souls earlier with the brave conversation series. So it wouldn't make any sense for me to encourage others to do that if I'm not doing it myself. And so the book is is me, you know, describing that although yes, I appear in this way, you know, black and male bodied, that's not what's on the inside. You know, it's the exact opposite, you know, feeling, believe it or not, you know, white and female. That's like an improbable journey, but it's real. And what I've discovered along the way is that there are people that are insistent, consistent, persistent with a similar sort of identity. There's a community on Reddit. There's communities with other people. And so my book is discussing that and it's um, looking at telling my journey through dramatic reenactments, dreams, domestic violence, social critiques, semi-autobiographical anecdotes, and it provides resources for others. So it's called White Girl Within. But really, it's about embracing our inner diversity. And a lot of us, in one way or another, probably have a kind of intersectionality where we may, in some ways, be the exact opposite of, of what we appear. So it's the opposite of everything. How do you reconcile that especially if it's a radical identity or if you've had a radical experience that puts you in this oppositional sort of a reality how do you manage that so that's what the book is doing so the healing process i mean that's ongoing i think a lot of us are healing to be born is is to be a traumatic experience and to live is is that too you know uh there's a quote from reverend parsons he said this when the late great uh, at the late great aretha franklin's funeral that death doesn't hurt but life does you know and there's all kinds of things we could put in to contextualizing that so this is a lifelong thing so there's that pressure release valve so if you need a little bit of bang just a little bit you know go have it go have your acdc or little nas or whatever you like so that's a part of my healing journey. Is, is burying my soul a bit but doing it in a way that's still constructive you know not just to just spew it but to give perspective to other people and challenge notions of identity and the sort. so so that's kind of what it looks like it's it's still a work in progress as we all are
0: absolutely it's got to be a (laughs) lifetime work in progress but thank you so much for just being so transparent with our listeners and within your writing and shining light on so many different things. I can't wait to read your book. Um, you. When is it coming out?
1: It should be out by October. So that's okay. just in time for LGBTQ plus history month. So that'll be, that'll awesome. be fitting.
0: All right. Well, we'll definitely be giving it a plug, but everyone's called the white girl within. Um, and you can find that at the white girl or wwwwhitegirlwithin.com. So please go Thank there you. to learn more about that. Cool. Um, so kind of in our final minutes here, what are just a few action steps? I don't know if that could, this is like, it's such a big question. I'm going to try and just say, like, what are a few action steps we can all take as society to just improve a little bit along mm-hmm. the way? Small things. I don't know. It's a really loaded question. So I apologize. it
1: is. Well, I think we need to become jedis we need the force to be with us all and so jedi would be justice equity diversity inclusion so that's the acronym that's jedi if we are jedis then we're going to be aware of those things Um, Not necessarily hawkish to the point to where it gets in the way of us living our lives, because I think that's one of the critiques right now of the alphabet people and being woke, you know, is that you're trying to be over-determined and over-delivering a message to other people in terms of what they should do, you know, for a small amount of the population so it's not over determination it's not over delivering but it's just simply being determined simply being in the space to deliver and so just be a jedi you let the force be with you with us when it needs to be so if you are seeing someone that could definitely benefit from some justice you know you may want to you may want to help you know that may involve getting the police involved it may Be similar to a teacher or social worker that's a mandated reporter, you know. And if someone's telling you something and it just clearly seems untoward, doesn't seem right, you can go to the authorities in that way, you know. Um, You may quietly give to a worthy cause on GoFundMe and just do it anonymously, whatever you may be able to part with. It could just be a few dollars, but that's a part of a community that you're doing things with so if you let the force be with you it could be with us and i think that's one way to to look at it like you said it is it is a thorny question so i guess that's why i had to borrow a bit from star wars because you know we had you know you, you needed to summon some, some kind of uh you know almost otherworldly kind of assistance to help with this because yeah. uh these are the same kinds of uh, social issues we've been grappling with, you know, for for millennia.
0: Yes. And I think so many of us can, we can, we can all come into the force. So yes, I love the Jedi. <laughs> like, I mean, that's something I'm gonna remember. Um, you know, it kind of ties into like the bystander prevention work we can do. It's just, you know, I like how you said like, choose how you respond, choose where you give. Like you can do these small, small little things can make such a ripple effect of difference. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Ronnie. It's been just a delight to connect with you. (laughs) Um, I always like to close the show on just kind of a positive, like one sentence or two sentence message that you would like to part with, give to our listeners. Um, I asked that weirdly. So yeah, just one one small sentence or two that you want to like positively say to our listeners as we close.
1: Absolutely. Embrace the diversity living inside of us in order to embrace the diversity outside of us. Identity rights are human rights.
0: Love that. Thank you so much. And I know I'm going to remember to do that a little bit more myself. So um, to learn all about Dr. Ronnie Gladden's work, as I said, you can go to www.whitegirlwithin.com to learn about his upcoming book. And for his speaking and coaching services, you can go to RonnieGladden.com, which is R-O-N-N-I-E-G-L-A-D-D-E-N.com. Thank you again so much for being here today, Ronnie. A pleasure to get to know you. And hopefully I'll get to see you in Ohio sometime.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I want to go to Vermont too. So yeah.
0: Let's do it. Um, So so as always, if you have any questions about the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, Anna at StandUpResources.com. I'm your host for this show. Um, Thank you so much for being here and being listeners on the mend. Be well, be strong, and goodbye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or feedback. We love hearing new topic ideas from listeners and watchers as well. Thank you for listening to The Mend, and be well.